to thank you for being here this evening. Two or three things I'd like for you to think about as we begin. Uh, I do ask you to remember John in your prayers. He will be seeing a doctor tomorrow, and hopefully they can get him scheduled for surgery quickly. because I know he's been in a lot of pain since this accident has occurred. And uh, certainly glad to see that you know, he had the determination and the desire to go ahead and preach here this morning and, and uh, did a good job. I also want to remind you to stay around tonight as we welcome Jesse to the congregation. Uh, Jesse will uh, you know, be around to work with us for a long time. Uh, he's going to be directly involved in our young people's lives and uh, I want you to stay and sharing that time with him and give him a tremendous amount of encouragement in the days and years that are to come. I also want to put a little plug in for the visitation program again. Uh, I think I still got four cards out there on the table for this half of the month. Need those to be picked up. Uh, make as many visits as you can. If, if not, send the card to those individuals or make a phone call to them. And I really need your help in picking those up, but also in filling out the right-hand side of that form and putting it in the box out there. And then once you've completed it, put it back in the box because I got a lot for the first half of this month that have not been returned to me yet. So if you will help me out as you are helping other people out with that. My lesson tonight comes from two verses that I want to think with you about. It is Luke chapter 17, verses 1 and 2. Jesus said to his disciples, Things that cause people to sin are bound to come, but woe to that person through whom they come. It would be better for him to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around his neck than for him to cause one of these little ones to sin. I want to talk about those two verses tonight, and I want us to think about the title you see there on the screen, Things That Cause People to Sin. And when I say that, the vast majority of time, that is going to be people that cause people to sin. When you look at this particular verse, there in the original language is a word that is used, the word scandalon. And the scandalon literally means that it is a bent stick trap. So if you can imagine that we got a box that's laying here, and we raise that box up, and on the front of that we put a stick to hold that up in the air, and it's just barely holding that, and then you put some kind of a bait in there for that animal to come in. They come in and they grab that, and they hit that stick, or they pull a string to pull that stick, and the next thing you know, it's down, and they're trapped. And the majority of time, the reason why people to do that is in order to take that animal and to either remove it or to kill it and eat it. It's their death. It's their death. And so that is the illustration that is being used here within this particular sentence that we are looking at. Quite often it is translated a stumbling block. And so what we had in the scripture reading there just a few moments ago 
is that Jesus is a stone that makes men stumble and a rock that makes them fall. There are a lot of people in this world that do stumble over Jesus. Now, it's not his fault. It's their fault. They will not accept what he has said to them. He wants their good. He wants everything to be for their benefit. He wants them to have eternal life. But they are the ones that have made that particular decision. As you go through the book of Romans, there are several times the idea of a stumbling block comes up. In Romans chapter 14 and verse 13, here we are talking about people that have eaten food that has been sacrificed to idols. Now Paul made it very clear that when you do that, you're not really doing anything wrong because it's just food that you are eating. But there are a lot of folks that thought if this has been sacrificed to an idol and I eat of this, then I am wrong because I am participating in that idolatry. And so here's what Paul had to say to them. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in your brother's way. Don't you do anything to cause your brother or sister in Christ to trip. Don't you drive them away. Don't you harm them by your behavior. And it may very well be behavior that really isn't wrong. But if you know that by doing that, that you are harming them, don't you dare do it. In the same chapter, in verse 20, he says, Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. You don't have to eat that meat. And if you are going to harm someone by eating that meat, then don't eat that meat. There's other things you can be eating. Now, he's going to use the word stumbling block a little differently also in the 16th chapter and verse 17. And here he says, I urge you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned. So there are those that were teaching things that they should not, and they are causing people to trip up. They're causing people in reality to be trapped, to be harmed by what they are doing. What the Apostle Paul is saying, don't harm your brother and sister. And I think that is a lot of what we are talking about here in this passage tonight that was taught by our Lord. Things that cause people to sin are bound to come. People do sin. All of us sin. And quite often, the reason that we have done something wrong is that somebody has talked us into doing that. And there is a great warning in this passage about that. What we need to know is that there are always going to be temptations for people. There will always be people that try to talk you into doing something that you know is against God. I just ask you to remember this verse out of 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Yes, there could be that box sitting there on that stick. You see it. 
And it may be very well you desire that bait that is inside, but he is saying God gives you the strength and the ability to say no. I think quite often we need to pray about things like that. That whenever that opportunity to do wrong is presented, that I will say no and that I will not give in to that. Now in our passage it has gone to talk about little ones. There are one of two ways, and actually we'll think about it in both ways here this evening, as to what that can mean. Jesus used that very same phrase in Matthew chapter 18 and verse 14, and there is no doubt about it whatsoever that he was talking about little children right in front of him. How do children make decisions to do things wrong? Well, sometimes it's by wanting to try things, and sometimes it's by experimentation. But a lot of times there is somebody else there that is helping them and saying, Oh, try this with me. Do this with me. Let's go do this thing, which is not a good thing to be doing. Come, come do that with us. The second thing that is very likely, and I think probably is more likely in this particular passage, you see that Jesus addressed these statements to his disciples. That would be the twelve. And he is talking about causing little ones to sin. I believe very likely that he's talking about new disciples, new followers of Jesus Christ. So we are going to look at it in the light of both of those here this evening with some examples that I'm going to give you. Along that line, here ought to be a thought in our mind. 1 John 2.10 Whoever loves his brother lives in the light and there is nothing in him to make him stumble. Do you really love your brother? Do you care about your brothers and sisters in the church? Then you are not going to do anything to try to help them stumble. You are not going to do anything to try to trip them up. But you are going to do the very best of your ability to encourage them to be the Christian that they should be. What our passage says, Woe to that person through hell they come. People are bound to sin, but woe to that person through whom they come. How does that happen? A lot of times there's some choices we do make in life I read about this, and this is actually a, an old article that I read. And it's written by a name by the man of Carl Rasmussen, and he was the executive director of women's prisons in New York. And here's what he said. 85% of the women that are in prison in New York City would not have been there if they had not gotten romantically involved with a man. The wrong man, the man that wanted them to be a thief, the man that wanted them to sell drugs with them, the man that wanted them to use drugs with them. 85% of these women chose the wrong person, and in choosing the wrong person, that's why they now sit here. And I thought that's an alarming statistic, but if you stop and you think about it, the fact is that 
it's not hard to believe that statistic. There's always somebody trying to talk us into doing something that indeed is wrong. Well, I want to look at it from the aspect of children to begin with. Little ones, thinking about children. How do they start using drugs? More than likely, it's a schoolmate. Sometimes it can be a parent. There's somebody that says, you just got to try this. You got to do this. What is the scripture saying? Woe to you. Woe to you. I think about alcohol. How many times have parents bought alcohol for the kid's party? How many times have they given them money knowing that's exactly what they were going to go and do with that? And then, of course, there is the classmate that wants to say to them, Come on, this is a great party. You're going to have a good time. And when they get there, it's about the alcohol that is involved there. I think about such things as sexual activity. Somebody, it may be the boyfriend, it may be the girlfriend, has gone to get you involved in that. May never have been involved in it, may never thought about it at all, but they say, this is enjoyable, this is pleasurable, this is something you need to do. And they talk them into doing something that indeed is against God's word. What's the scripture saying? Woe to them. You have helped somebody else to sin. I also want us to think about parents. Parents that do not teach their children to serve God and to worship God. Woe to you about parents that don't teach their children what godly living is all about. And you know it's turning into be a great percentage of our society anymore. Woe to you. At school, somebody's going to try to help you learn how to cheat or how to steal. It may happen down in those early grades. Now, sometimes you're just kind of sneaky and tricky and you get yourself into those situations. But there's always somebody out there that's willing to help you do wrong. Woe to them. I believe that in this day and time that there are a lot of TV executives, actors and actresses that are going to have to give an account for the filth they have made and promoted. Woe to you. You put this out to try to say this is so much fun and this is what everybody is doing and you're not harming anybody. They're asking you to go against what God's word clearly teaches. The same thing is happening in a tremendous way as far as social media is concerned, trying to talk young folks into wrong behavior. And I say woe to a whole lot of college professors in this day and age that are trying to drive Christianity out of people's lives and mock and make fun of them and in many ways help those people to make a decision not to follow God any longer. And then I also cannot help but think about Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4 talking to dads. Do not provoke your children to anger. Do not exasperate them that sometimes that the way we do act and behave can literally drive our kids away from God and into sin. 
woe to them. And then I want to turn to the thought of, well, what about people that are new Christians? There are those that want to persecute Christianity. It did not take very long before people wanted to drive Christianity out. And you know from your study of the life of Paul, that's what he was set on destroying the way. He harmed people. And there were people that lost their lives. Scriptures doesn't say, but I suspect that there's some folks that said, this is too much. I quit. I don't want to do that. Woe to you that are going to try to cause people to leave their Christianity. The second thing that I would say along this line is hypocrisy. So many times down the years, it's really not an excuse. And there may be some truth to it. But I've heard so many people say, why would I want to go to church and be with all the hypocrites? They don't live right either. If that's us, woe to us. By our behavior, we can drive people away, especially new Christians away. I read the story in preparing this lesson about a man that had a new man come to town not too long ago, and he was going to be a farmer. It's pretty much a farming community. And he was trying his best to get the man to come to church with him. He wanted to convert him to Christianity. He wasn't a Christian. And he went and sat down and talked with him, and he said, You know, when I came to town, the very first farmer that I made a deal with was an outspoken Christian. And that man ripped me off at $6,000. Now, what's the chance of him wanting to come and be a part of Christianity? If you really think about it and really think about who God is, he can get past that. But there are so many behaviors that are hypocritical that we say one thing and we do something else and we drive people away. Paul said in Romans 2.24, God's name is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. So there are people that have given up Christianity turned their back on it, or given it zero chance because of hypocrisy. If that's me, woe to me. That should not be. Another thing is false teaching. In Revelation chapter 2 and verse 20, as Jesus is writing to the church at Thyatira, he said to the church, You tolerate that woman Jezebel. That's not a good name. That was a wicked, 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 evil woman in the Old Testament. You tolerate her who calls herself a prophetess and by her teaching she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of foods sacrificed to idols. She's in the church and she's trying to get you to do things that are wrong. Well, woe to that Jezebel, and woe to anyone in this day and age that, again, are trying to get God's people to do things wrong and act like there is nothing wrong with it whatsoever. In 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, read like this. But there were also false prophets among the people, 
just as there will be false teachers among you, they will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who brought them, bringing swift destructions on themselves. Many will follow the shameful ways and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. And in their greed, these teachers will exploit you with stories they have made up. Their condemnation has long been hanging over them and their destruction has not been sleeping. So there's that trap. It's false teaching. And they look at it and it looks so good. And they grab it. Destruction. Destruction. But not only that, Peter is saying to the person that's doing that teaching, there will be destruction for them as well. And that's what our passage is saying. Woe to them. Woe to a person that says that hatred is the way of living Christianity. And there's a lot of that going on in the name of Christianity in this day and in this time. We need to be so mindful of what Jesus' attitude towards people is and the fact that he wants all men to be saved. And yet there are people in this day and time that are preaching against a certain class of people or a certain race of people and saying things they ought not be saying, and it is causing harm. I want you to think about what Romans, or rather, 1 Corinthians chapter 8 also says. This is verses 9 to 13. Be careful, however, that the exercise of your freedom does not become a stumbling block to the weak. For if anyone has a weak conscience, sees you having knowledge eating in an idol's temple, won't he be emboldened to eat what has been sacrificed to idols? So this weak brother from whom Christ died is destroyed by your knowledge. When you sin against your brother in this way and wound their weak consciences, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if what I eat causes my brother to fall in sin, I will never eat meat again so that I will not cause him to fall. Be careful. Be careful how you live and the way that you portray yourself. If we are driving people away from Christ, that is a sin, number one, they left, but a sin for us and helping them to leave as well. And one more that I would add to that list is pride. Whenever we exhibit an idea that I am so much better than everybody else, I'm so much better than what you are, we're driving people away. People do not want to be around that. So we need to be people that develop humility and help people to live the Christian life. I would say to each one of us, may we never, never be the reason for someone else to sin. May we never be the reason why somebody is hindered from their salvation. Jesus is issuing a strong warning here. Well, how strong? It would be better for him to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around his neck than for him to cause one of these little ones to sin. What's Jesus saying by that? A millstone. A small one weighs 100 pounds. A big one will weigh 1,000 pounds or more. 
You tie a rope to that, and you tie that to a man's neck, and you throw him overboard, well, you can see the man there. He's doing nothing but going to the bottom. He is not going to have a chance to try to free himself. It was a form of execution in that day and time. It's better for you to die than for you to cause someone else to sin. Do you see how much our Lord hates sin? And I wanted to point out one other thing to you, something that we sing that I think illustrates this aspect as well. I really like the song, O Sacred Head, Now Wounded. But do you remember the last words of that? The last words is, Lord, let me never, never outlive my love to thee. Let me die if I am ready to leave you. Don't let me live any longer if I'm about to make that decision. I think that's the same thing that Jesus is saying here. If you are about to teach and lead someone to their very destruction, it is better for you to go ahead and lose your life. That's how much the Lord hates sin. Tonight I want you to stop and to think about your condition. Are you causing anybody to sin? Are you causing anybody to give up the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you causing anyone to depart from the church? You need to repent. You need to do what's right. And maybe tonight you have never become a Christian. Your sins are still in your life. You need to repent of those. You need to confess your belief in Jesus Christ as the Son of God. Be buried in baptism so sins will be washed away. What the Lord has waiting for us is so good, so precious, so wonderful. And we ought not cause anybody to make the decision not to go there. If we can help you this time, we ask you to come as we stand and as we sing. sing.